will be. And you know it. With a tear in my eye. The king is back, baby. Acknowledge me. Take two, episode 304 of Top Rope Nation alongside the true second man, Justin Joint. I am your host for this morning, Jesse Velasquez. Ryan Drosty is unavailable this morning. He's probably going through SummerSlam as we speak or entertaining family one way or another. Maybe he's having a little bit more fun than we're about to have, Justin. I really have no idea. How are you feeling this morning? Pretty good. You know, the episode, so nice. We had to start it twice. Indeed. Podcaster 101, folks. This is something Restream is not foreign to me by any stretch of the imagination, but it would be nice to hit a go live button on occasion. (laughs) Hey, uh, real quick, just to warn you, uh, there is a chance that I I could be interrupted at any point during this podcast. Normally, I like to line up a, a babysitter or a grandparent or somebody to help watch the kids during these morning uh, review shows. I was unable to do that. Uh, my wife is currently with the baby trying to get him down for a nap. So my five-year-old is on his own right now. I put a tablet in front of his face and a giant plate of goldfish in front of him. So we're going to see how long those goldfish last. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if a, a little voice maybe chimed in here at any point in the show. A five-year-old with a dinosaur level of hunger. I'm assuming that's where we're going to be. That's the avenue that he's going to be channeling down here at a 10.15 timestamp in the central area code this morning. We're going to go through some real quick housekeeping items before we get to the things that you have come here, folks, come here for, folks, as loyal listeners, and as well as patrons to the show. The best way to support this show is patreon.com slash Nation. Please like, subscribe anywhere you listen to or view your podcast. We are streaming to SE Scoops, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. I am also a scribe of SE Scoops. Ryan is a senior editor there as well of SE Scoops. Please, I guess this one we understate quite a bit, but... Join our Facebook wrestling discussion group, folks, please. We have about 345 folks in there. Very nice hat, Justin. Yes. (laughs) And it's probably about 50 to 60 folks that are active there on on a daily basis. We we get a lot of back and forth and just some, some fun stuff, some serious topics, all that whole nine yards. And then lastly, I'm going to run the scroll down the bottom line here and thank our wonderful patrons. I believe we have 37 of them. So they allow us to do the bonus shows, the classics, which we're going to be doing on Thursday night, Justin. Great American Bash 1989. What are your uh, what are your expectations and hopes for that show? You know, I'm not sure if I've ever watched it from start to finish outside of the main event. So uh, that's always a, a good time for me to watch something with fresh eyeballs that I, I didn't really live through in the moment when it happened or don't really have a relationship with it. So looking forward to it. should be fun. Oh my gosh. So I, I'm not going to tell the whole story. I'm going to keep it like 10 seconds. This is the most watched WCW pay-per-view that I've ever seen. Whoa. I've watched, I've watched this more than any. Wow. Okay. Did you have, oh. no, we'll save it for the, I got questions. We'll save it for the pod. We'll save it for the classics. Yes. And we could, e- you can even ask that question off air. 
Yeah, but yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that is going to be a wonderful tease for you to sign up for patreon.com slash top rope nation. Seven day free trial. There are hundreds of bonus episodes in there. You can go through all 304 episodes ad free. You get a lot of extras. You're going to have my show that will be added on to the extras, which I will be recording one on Monday the 14th. Also get extras from Ryan and Rick Skelton. They did one about a month ago talking about the greatest WWE stories ever told. And that was Kyle Ross's bread and butter for many years. And he his episodes alone are worth their weight in gold. So I truly suggest that you listen to, to those episodes all the way through let's just show some quick little good morning brian it is a lovely time to see you as well michael jenkinson loves justin's hat is it is it okay to wear your own merch on the podcast it's not like when you go to a concert you're not supposed to wear the t-shirt of the band you're going to like that that's nerdy or uncool am i all right should i take the hat off no Okay, I think okay. you. I think you're, you're perfectly sure. fine. Just want to make sure it's okay if it's your podcast. It's very true. I mean, I'm assuming that we're going to be wearing top rope merch when we're at All Out. We could be. So, which, by the way, one last note as well: twenty percent off of t-shirts, hats, mugs, the whole nine yards on TopRopeNation.com. We do have some new merch. Some sweet new t-shirts, which we talked about on our last episode. We are beer drinking pro wrestling guys or whiskey drinking pro wrestling guys. If you made a decision which shirt you would rather have first, Justin. I have not. I, I don't know. I'm torn. I just love both so much. I know. I need, I need Ryan to make a beer and whiskey pro wrestling guy shirt. That might be next, but it also could be gin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Absolutely. At some point in time. Sean, good morning to you. And Ryan checks into the chat. Had to tune in quick. Snuck away from the fan for a second. Looking good, gents. We always appreciate your support, even when you cannot be with us. Michael, with the last chime in, it's not like the concert thing. You're good. Phew. All right. So we are going to touch on WWE SummerSlam for about 85-90% of the show. And we're going to close with some AEW thoughts as I've gotten through a good chunk of Collision. And Justin probably got through the most important part of Collision. So we're going to combine those thoughts together at the very end. All right, Justin. WWE SummerSlam 2023 took place last night in Detroit, Michigan. At Ford Field, give us your letter grade for the PLE. So just kind of an overall... Uh, synopsis of the show for me would be uh, it was very predictable. Uh, it was uh, rock chalk, as any Kansas Jayhawk fans would say. That's a great reference. Um, but it wasn't predictable in a bad way to me. Everybody who won or lost, I, I felt like that was the appropriate outcome. That's who should have won, who should have lost. Uh, outside of the MMA match, all the pro wrestling was pretty good. Um, I'd say all of it falls within that B plus to B minus range as far as match quality goes. But there wasn't to me any classics or bangers or humpers as we'd like to say on the show. There's nothing I will probably ever go back and rewatch. So I can't really go because of that. I can't really go any higher 
than a B. And frankly, the the finish of the main event probably knocks it down into that B minus range. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, we have a hungry top rope nation third co-host at the moment. Hello to you out there. This is awesome. All right. Justin, I nod in agreement. I echo your exact same sentiments. I think this is the first PLE this year where there is something that I am not, that there isn't anything that I'm going to go back and rewatch. There wasn't that one standout moment where I can go, yes, that is 100% rewatchable. Please go back and see that. And that's going to lower my grade a little bit. I toggled between B minus and C plus. I thought I was going to be extremely harsh with a C plus grade, but I'm, I'm going to upgrade it to a B minus because you're right. There, there wasn't anything that was atrocious on this show. And I actually didn't even mind the MMA match, which I will get into a little bit later on. Whoa, I, I, didn't, I didn't know you were coming with hot takes. Wow. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. But I am going to get into my reasons why as well towards the end of or towards the middle of this show. And now, real quickly, I am going to pivot and share what our listeners thought on Twitter slash X. With our grades here, 117 votes in. Thank you so much for voting on Top Rope Nation at Twitter slash X. 14.5% graded it an A and a C. Nearly 60% graded this a B. In almost unanimous across the board. And the bad faith actors grading this a D or F. I don't know what you were watching unless the weight of this pay-per-view for you was at the end of this show. I mean, yeah, that, that to me, that poll says it all. I don't think we've had any letter grade with that high of a percentage before, except for like maybe a, an all out, uh, 2021 with the, you know, a maybe, but that that's exactly what the show was. It, it wasn't offensive except for maybe of the, the creative decisions, but the matches were all fine to fine plus. So, but as we said, nothing that we're probably ever going to go back and revisit. It's very, very true. That is for sure. Going to show some more comments in here all about apparently the merch thing. As Ryan wears Bruce Springsteen shirts at Bruce Springsteen concerts. That rule is dumb. He's a nerd. (laughs) Love it. Uh, Oh, and there's a hostile takeover. The little man is stealing the show. Yeah, the goldfish didn't last very long, apparently. <laughs> uh, lastly, Sean, once again, he gives it a B plus. <laughs> Pretty. I'm, we're I'm utilizing nice. the mute button over here. Sorry. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> very, very impressed. Quick on the spot with the B or with the B plus with the muting of the microphone. Justin, should we start with the main event, or do you want to start at the top of the card? I mean, let, let's start with the main event. I mean, that's like in, in our first go around, I, I told you that I had to wash down the bitter taste in my mouth that SummerSlam left me with, with that ending. <laughs> what well, wasn't quick enough to the mute button that time. <laughs> I, I had to wash that down uh, with some collision this morning. So I, I had to watch Punk and Starks. So I, I, I think the appropriate place would be to start with the main event. 
I'm all for it. This was a 36-minute affair, folks. Roman Reigns defending the WWE Universal Undisputed Championship against Jey Uso. Keep in mind, folks, Roman is carrying around three belts. That means there are four World Championship title belts in the show. Now, wait a second. That was one of my notes was he only came out with the one this time, didn't he? I didn't see Heyman carrying the other ones. Oh, that was one of my two big takeaways from the main event, just with the entrances alone. I think SummerSlam might be the start of one belt. Now, maybe maybe I I, I missed it. I can't imagine missing a giant gaudy uh, blue belt, but uh, I, I, I hopefully, fingers crossed, we're down to one now. It's needed, that's for sure, because if there's one little Easter egg as well on the original WWE World heavyweight championship is that Brock Lesnar's name is still on the title. So let's hope they got rid of that. Oh my goodness. So a 36 minute affair. Woof. Woof. And it was longer. (laughs) It really did. That's for sure. I mean, putting this at the end of the night when I was actually starting to have a very difficult time truly honing in and paying attention. Sorry, folks. There again, Paul Heyman not necessarily steals the show in this match, but has these tremendous one-liners. I I will get into this as well. I, I did like the the take at the very beginning when Roman walked up to Jay just as the bell rang and said, "If you win, you're the tribal chief," and he was getting ready to crown him with the necklace. Just adding the stakes to the bloodline, just this bloodline feud as a whole. And I got to say, my my favorite part of the entire match was uh jay's entrance i thought his facials walking down the aisle were were tremendous the way he was selling i I think the nerves but even more so than that that moment when he had the the entire crowd doing the the hand wave motion that was sick to see that i mean that was epic and that was the only time in the entire build up to this match during the entire match that i thought for a second shit maybe they can go with jay Do very, very do. And yes, there was only one belt. Very good, very good take there, Justin, as well. So hopefully that is going to be the staple moving forward. So I guess we'll we'll tap into that question a little bit later on. However, the fans chanting we want tables. We've gone through this pretty much every episode here. It's 2023. Where where are the value in tables and kendo sticks? There are none. My thoughts exactly. We've got to come up with either some new weapons or just some some more imagination with your creative when it comes to your choice of weapons. But that's where we get the Paul Heyman nugget for the match where Jay Uso goes underneath underneath the ring, tries to set up a table, looks at Paul Heyman, and Paul Heyman goes, Uh-uh, I ain't Devon. That ain't happening. <laughs> I miss that. Oh, tremendous. Oh. I popped. That was that was the one big thing that, that I popped for during this match. Quite a few usage of kendo sticks. And one thing as well, the awful camera cuts. Oh. This really hit me hard when Roman was in the corner with, oh, with those series of clotheslines. There had to have been about 13 camera cuts. Just way too many for me. I mean, that uh, that might be reason... Number one, why I, I just can't stomach the current WWE is the 
the production of it, which I've said a million times and I'm not going to go any further on it. But yeah, that, that drives me nuts. Uh, that, that is one thing that AEW has down is their, their ability to just hone in on, on the correct camera angles and stay with it as opposed to the, the vibrations. I guess this is a little off, off topic, but I do remember ECW from 96 till its dying days when they would actually, when people were throwing punches, you would see the camera shake. There wouldn't be the egregious camera angles. Did you enjoy the camera shakes? No, I, I just like my pro wrestling straightforward as far as the camera goes. 100%. We definitely agree there. So the, the notes aren't going to be too long on this. I will say there was a nasty gash on Roman Reigns' left arm that kind of trickled down to his obliques. And I was trying to find the spot where that happened. Did you get a chance to catch that at all? But what were your thoughts on the little, uh, the little blood that was mixed in on the form and the oblique? I mean, I- I'm generally pro blood, especially in WWE, except for when they have to stop a match like in a hell in a cell at WrestleMania. Uh, so I'm pro. I did not catch when it happened, though. Um, and I was time did not allow me to rewind and look into it either. Ugh. Finn Balor. We'll get to that a little bit later, too. Tons of chairs thrown into the ring. Paul Heyman is pleading with Jay to stop. He says, Roman loves you. You grew up together. He's your family. Paul, I love you. <laughs> uh, Roman with the counter, after all the chairs are thrown into the ring, hits a, hits a powerbomb onto the chairs. It was hit him pretty square with it, too. So that was really nice to see. Didn't land on Jay's head, on his head, but right in the square middle of his back on Jay for a two count. They had that table set up in the corner for probably about four or five minutes. After a good 45 seconds of struggling, Jay finally put the Samoan drop through the table onto Roman. Did you enjoy that spot as well? Or was that just kind of par? It was fine. It was fine. A lot of this match was kind of par for the course with me. I, As far as matches on this card, go, card goes, uh, my enjoyment level, this would probably be second from the bottom. It, it just, it, it was still mostly paint by numbers as far as Roman matches go. The only thing we didn't get was the referee bump. I was waiting for that. And that's exactly where I was going to go here momentarily. Solo Sokoa makes his way to the ring here in this lovely main event and hits a rock bottom on Jay through the table. Is he and Roman are on the outside? Then they drag Jay through the crowd which I was a little bit confused about here. I was actually impressed with the fan <laughs> about their, the, 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 the microphone was so loud that you could hear a fan yelling, do it for Jimmy J. You're the new <laughs> tribal chief J. Oh God. Just begging for, for Jay to get up while solo and Roman are, are absolutely destroying Jay on the outside. And as this is going on, Jay starts to reverse course here as he re- as he re- reverses a spear that's, that Solo was going to attempt and ends up connecting with one of his own. So they finally make their way back to ringside. Jay has two chairs. He hits Solo and Roman multiple times with just the one. And then while they go back to the outside... They end up getting distracted a little bit here. 
Solo and Roman are, are conversing on the outside. Jay hits a spear through that token barricade. And then as that happens, Hate eventually that I, I do too. I completely do too. I think the, the one time that I actually enjoyed it this year was when Roman hit it on Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble in the opposite barricade because it actually you came know, out I, of nowhere. I, I, I think you're wrong. I don't think it was in the opposite corner. I think it was in the same spot. I would recommend you rewatch. I, I think you're wrong on that one. I'm definitely going to have to look at that. <laughs> and, <laughs> hey, I, and, and if you're right, you just edit that back into the podcast or edit me out of the podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to do that as soon as we get off the air here. So Jay ends up hitting solo now with, with a splash on the barricade props to the to props to the fan, by the way, for his assistance in helping Jay get to that, to the top of that barricade to hit solo with the splash. Yeah. So now they head back to the ring. Jay Spears Roman climbs to the top rope, connects with his splash. One, two, hooded person comes in, pulls Jay Uso off of Roman Reigns for the count. Pulls off the hood. It's Jimmy Uso. They they you can hear the fans with an audible gasp. You can see the the puzzled and perplexed look on Jay's face. Jimmy just stares at Jay for a good minute, maybe a minute and a half. Finally, Jimmy super kicks Jay, tosses him back in the ring. As they are struggling to get up, Roman finally gets his bearings, spears Jay through the table, and the I think the table shattered in about four pieces. I thought it was a pretty cool-looking visual. One, two, three, Roman retains in this very long main event. So... I think there's one big question, and that is, did Jimmy do this because he's still in the bloodline, or did he do this out of uh, his twins, you know, jealousy for his twins' success? Me, personally, I've been a little bit lower on the bloodline story these past couple months, kind of since WrestleMania. I know a lot of other people are still really into it, and this just tanked it for me. I mean, th- this is, this is j- especially if Jimmy's going to be still part of the bloodline or if those two are going to completely separate from Roman Heyman and Sokoa. I just, I hated this. I, I just, just have Roman win clean. We don't, we don't need this every time. If you want to do this stupid angle, do it, save it for SmackDown. Just give us a cl- one clean Roman Reigns pay-per-view slash ple you know main event win i think you could have without the jimmy pullout here as well what you could have done was the same finish here with jay hitting the spear hitting the splash but roman gets his foot on the rope at like 2.99 seconds Mm mm-hmm That'll draw the match out a little bit longer. We don't need those theatrics on the outside from the Usos. And then somehow just Roman hulks up just enough to regain his momentum. And you can follow through with those same spots and in, in, in the same finish with Roman retaining. So what do you think? I mean, do you think Jimmy and Jay's story is still going to be intertwined with the bloodline? Or are they going to go on their own? Did you get the feeling that Jimmy was still with Roman? Or he did this of his own volition, just something personal with Jay. I thought about this this morning. I think he did this on his own volition. Okay. 
So now this go ahead. He didn't he didn't stick around for Roman's post match celebration, right? I think he he did the super kick and left. Correct. Yes. So I think this ties in perfectly to what the next PLE is named payback. Mm. And here's the other thing too. Jay, much like quite a few of Roman's contenders, Jay had the match won. And yep. Somebody had to go interrupt it. So this this makes Jay look strong. I think Jay's facials throughout made him look super strong. I've already gone on record saying I didn't like the build for Jay as a singles performer going into this match. But now with Jimmy turning on Jay, you have you have the way, you have the avenue for Jay to start a singles run. And you can revisit Jay Roman later on at some point in time. Even if it's after WrestleMania next year, maybe Jay can build up enough momentum to to come back to this story and potentially become a world champion. Yeah. Because his, his performance tonight was it was solid. The match was a little drawn out. I will definitely give it that. This is one of the more drawn out Roman Reigns matches, I think, that we've seen. Mm-hmm. I think it's the longest one of 2023. I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure this is the longest one, time-wise. Multiple news outlets also reported that this was going to be given the most time on the night, as this was an eight-match card, which is a little bit longer than most, I think, for WWE PLEs, hence why there was some... Go ahead. I was just going to say, that was another reason why I kind of had to knock the show, is like, I was not upset when they took Becky and, and Trish off the show. I love the fact that WWE is trying to keep it a little tighter, but man, when we were like, you know, that I was looking at the clock around Rollins and Balor time. And I was like, Ooh boy, where this is, we're looking at, you know, central time wise, you know, an 11 o'clock finish for this show at, you know, if not later. You're getting commercial breaks in between on Peacock. I think the the one thing that these little bit of drawn out breaks help for are the people that are actually in attendance that need to go run, use the bathroom. They're not going to miss too much. Yeah. I guess that's the one way to look at it. But um, So where do you think Roman goes from here? If we both believe that Jay and Jimmy are going to go off and do their own feud completely separate of the bloodline, God willing, please don't let them still be intertwined with that. Uh, who does... Roman feud with next because I know they teased a little bit of dissension with Solo even on Smackdown recently but they did it on this show also it feels a little too early to go there I I think that would be a late fall uh, early winter feud that you can do because I think what this story is going to be the assumption is is that they're going to drag this out to Wrestlemania 40 where he will probably lose to Cody Rhodes and he's going to lose to Cody Rhodes because I think at that point he will have lost everybody and will be on his own. And that's going to be the story. He's not going to have anybody there to help him anymore. Uh, and when once he doesn't have that help, he's going to lose the title. So I'm curious who he's going to be feuding coming out of SummerSlam with. Now, granted, he's on that different contract where you know he doesn't have to work every event. I wouldn't be shocked if he's not even on payback. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, the rumors are that Randy Orton's gearing up for a comeback. So I don't know if maybe we'll see him on SmackDown and maybe do a feud. That, that'd be a good feud for Roman to maybe pass the time until the Sokoa stuff happens. What do you think, Jesse? We have that. I think 
as much as you said, you're like, gosh, I hope that they stray away from this entire bloodline stuff. It has run its course. And that's something that you could totally see online last night. I have a weird feeling there's going to be a fatal four way in there somewhere, whether it's going to be at survivor series, they could even push it to the Royal rumble. I think if you push it to the Royal rumble, that's a possibility too. can actually make that, that Roman title defense a little bit intriguing. And maybe you can close that bloodline story right there. Have it just explode at Royal rumble next year. The sooner it's over with the better, as far as I'm concerned. Which also leaves this question, and I think this is kind of something that that obviously we have yet to see unfold. When this bloodline story is over, what what's this going to do for the WWE moving forward as well as its audience? Do you, do you think that they can continuously think they can keep this momentum up, or are they going to start to take a small downturn in business? Um. I've never really cared about the business aspect of it. Uh, it's always been about, will they keep my interest? I think that's certainly a possibility. Uh, a big part of that is going to be who finally dethrones Roman. I think that was why you can't go with Jay. I don't think he's a needle mover in that aspect. We've talked about it on our Facebook group. You know, it's got to be somebody you would think who can live off that rub for, you know, the next five to 10 years. It's funny that I hated Brock Lesnar ending the streak at WrestleMania 30. It's like, I mean, to me, it was like he didn't need that. You could have made somebody else. But, you know, hindsight, they've feasted off that for almost 10 years now. So can't really fault him for it. At the, at the time, I didn't feel like Brock was going to be around for as long as he has been. So that's why I think you got to go with somebody like Cody or maybe a Montez Ford if, if, he splits off from this new hurt business faction mm-hmm. that's going on. Um, but they got to be really smart for whoever does it. This is a huge problem. I did see this last night. Somebody mentioning that they were looking for somebody to supplant John Cena as the top person in the company. Cena had been around for a decade, maybe a little bit longer, and they had waited for Roman Reigns. And this person joked that this title reign is running so long that the WWE is going to completely come to a close and Roman Reigns loses his world championship. Believe it when I see it. (laughs) Cody obviously is that choice. And I actually, let's just go to that match and then we'll go from Logan Paul all, all the way down here. Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar three. I, uh, what, what did you think of that match as a whole? I thought it was laid out well. Um, maybe my favorite of the three, just cause it, it made sense to me. Um, it made Cody look strong. I liked Brock continuously trying to just finish it the easy way with a count out, you know, putting in the least amount of effort as possible. I did not like the handshake and the hand raise at the end. That does not make any sense to me as far as the story they were telling. All they would have had to do to make that make any sense is if Brock could have just explained why he attacked Cody in the first place. You could have just said, you know, if I can't beat Roman, no one can. That includes you or like, I don't respect you, Cody. You know, you haven't been here, done anything for how long? Just something 
to make us understand why now all of a sudden he's, you know, respects Cody. See how easy and logical that was? <laughs> Four months of WWE programming, we couldn't get an answer to why Brock Lesnar decided to attack Cody Rhodes at the beginning of a tag team match. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. The, 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 like I said, the match was good. Uh, the finish was sloppy. It, it looked like maybe due to positioning or just the size of Brock Lesnar, those crossroads did not look very effective, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, it's kind of the problem with this card is all morning I've been trying to figure out what was my favorite match of the card. But as I said at the beginning, they're all, to me, in that kind of B-plus to B-minus range. So one doesn't stand out more than the others. I, Yeah, I mean, this match was good, flawed, but good. Yeah, I, I put it in even three. Three stars on, on the nose. Was it your favorite other trilogy? Yes. Okay. Ab- absolutely. I. But here's the other thing, too. I said this on our last show. I said that I really wanted to see Cody get close to 50% of the offense in. Brock yeah, had probably was, like 80, 85, 90% yeah. again. But he, I guess he's been doing this for the last decade where I think the only person that's – like Goldberg is probably the only person that's been able to mm-hmm. – and Roman – so the only two that have been able to get 50-50 offense on, on Brock Lesnar, whereas even when his matches with Daniel Bryan, the AJ Styles, Finn Balor as well, CM Punk even, where Brock was just too big, too agile, took over the dominant part of the role. He had the, the smaller guys playing the role of David, and Goliath would ultimately per- prevail in the end here, where David finally prevailed. Cody ends up winning here with... As Justin mentioned, three crossroads, slightly sloppy. And at the end, for the most bizarre reason, Brock just kind of comes up to him face to face. Somebody jokingly said, you guys need to make out. (laughs) That was me. (laughs) Justin, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, go ahead. Make out. Do it. Yeah, I put in kiss, you cowards. (laughs) Brock looks at him, shakes his hand, raises his arm. Something his character has never done. Never shown this amount of respect before. It looked forced. It mm-hmm. looked, yeah, a little bit contrived. And now I did say, and I'm assuming most folks will be saying that Brock's going to be off of TV for a while. I'm still going to say he's going to do something reckless here on Monday since the card is in Minneapolis. And he'll get I, for a while. I read somewhere, and this is just rumor, could be wrong, that that was unscripted. That that was Brock just doing that of his own volition. Brock is arguably the only person in the company that can do that and not get in trouble. And now whether that's out of fear from management or what, mm-hmm. but I mean, I guess that's the relationship. That could be one thing too. Brock's always had a strong relationship with Vince McMahon. Vince is in the lurking in the background, having, we don't even have to tie into what's going on now with more indictments as well. And him having certain another surgery to kind of get himself away from this, but Brock's relationship with Hunter is a, as an entity or just where, where that ties into like Brock's future. I'm hoping within the next year or two that he's done. Hmm. All right. It's hard to maintain a character for, for two decades and, Eventually, some there has to be a handful of talents that can break this cycle where we don't need to continuously bring back 
veterans from yesteryear to uphold this product. Enough's enough. So unless you got anything else on this match, I, I am kind of curious, do you have a match of the night? Maybe a 1A and a 1B. Okay. Which we'll actually tie into right now. Okay. The opener. Okay. Logan Paul versus Ricochet. What were your what were your thoughts on this match? I, if I if I you know was forced to pick a match of the night, it'd probably be this one. I think this was the only match of the entire night that the crowd was fully invested in the entire time, uh, and a large part of that could be due to Logan Paul's you know ability in the ring to draw heat. Um, that was a big part of the show was the ebb and flow of the crowd. Like it seemed like after. Cody and Brock, they they really came and went. And a lot of these matches, to their credit, would suck them back in towards the end, but they would be awfully quiet at the beginning of a lot of these. Uh, but yeah, this is the one that you know they were hot for the entire time, and that helps any match out a lot. Logan Paul is tremendous. I, I Talking about who could be next as far as Roman opponents or who could dethrone Roman, you know, watching this match is like, holy shit, could it be Logan Paul? I mean, he's just phenomenal. I guess it's a matter now of his contract and him wanting to actually work a maybe three quarters full time schedule. Yeah. I mean, if, if he did something like that, I, I would not be opposed to him being the one they strap up next. You know, that's kind of part of the problem because I don't want to see Roman as a baby face, but the two guys that I could really see being the one to take the titles off him are Logan Paul and Gunther, you know, outside of Cody. Those are the two that I could see as someone you want to push long-term, but the dynamic just doesn't really make sense. And I have a hard time seeing either Gunther or Logan Paul, uh, being as successful as a baby face as they are as heels. That's again, I mentioned this on the last episode that this promotion is full of pretty strong heels where Cody right now is pretty much your only baby face. That's believable that could take this championship from Roman. Cause you have Sammy and Sammy Zayn, Kevin Owens. They're the tag team champions They've been a little de-escalated here in this promotion, which is unfortunate to see. They weren't on this card. They're arguably some of their, they're by, by far, I would say your number either two and three or three and four most cheered acts mm-hmm. in the promotion. But neither of them are going to be coming near that world title anytime soon. So yeah, I mean, we would, we do want to see more from, from Logan Paul. Props to him, by the way, in the beginning of the match for pulling out moves from yesteryear. The Rude Awakening. Mm. As well as a Davy Boy Smith-style power slam, which Michael Cole tried to pass off as a Braun Strowman-style power slam. <laughs> We're going Davy Boy, folks. Oh, yeah. So uh, you said this would probably be your match of the night. You liked it? I think it's it's on par with a match a little bit later that I liked a lot more than I th- it seems like the rest of the audience did. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is definitely this is probably I could probably be talked into this being my match of the night. But yeah, I'll get into the other match later. I gotta say, I I like what they did with their uh, 
thermostat in Ford Field, they must have had that thing cranked because there was a lot of great sweating in the the first quarter of this show. And uh, Logan Paul, man, he he's climbing the rankings of my my sweat meter. He's up there in the WWE. He might be the number one sweater. I well, I, Matt Riddle, but you know, he's got some issues that make him less fun to watch these days. So, yeah, might have to go Logan Paul. No arguments here. <laughs> <laughs> On the so they ended up getting to the outside, and I guess I guess one thing I was a little bit surprised was Logan actually worked a little bit more heel than in terms of his move set than I I thought he was going to. I thought there was going to be a lot more aerial pyrotechnics coming from from Logan Paul and I trying to match Ricochet's aerial ability, but he didn't pull out as much. So as I, they went, yeah, go ahead. I, was, I I love that about the match. I was kind of I think. Or I thought we were going to get more of a Ricochet and Osprey kind of yep. match. Um, I don't think Logan Paul's capable of doing a, of what Will Osprey can do. But, you know, the whole match was built on, you know, their spot at the Royal Rumble. So I thought it was going to be like a super flippy match. And I like that it wasn't. That, that Logan Paul tried to wrestle. I mean, he still did his high spots. But he tried to keep it a little bit more grounded and wrestled more as a typical heel. I really liked that about the match. I agree now the more that you mentioned it. So there we go. You have officially made this my match of the night. Thank you All very right. much for your uh, <laughs> for your contributions to changing my mind, Justin. Truly appreciate it. So there were a handful of aerial spots on the on, from Logan Paul, but not as many as you would think. So there was a Spanish fly from the outside that was reversed by, by Ricochet, ended up standing it up, ducking a clothesline attempt and hitting a Spanish fly of his own. This was an interesting spot that did not come off as well on TV, and I think it was probably because of where Ricochet was in the arena, is that Logan Paul hit a buckshot lariat to the outside. Hmm. Which was impressive. However, again, when he ended up hitting the clothesline, Ricochet was right by the guardrail or right, yeah, right by the right by the the crowd bearings and ended up it just ended up coming off a little bit clumsy. If it was more kind of in the open space in the entrance, it might have been one of the spots of the night, if not the spot of the night. So yeah, you're not going to get an argument on me. You had a lot of a lot of stuff going back on in the ring. You had a, a springboard clothesline from from Ricochet and up hitting a standing shooting star for a two. Logan Paul eventually went for a moonsault. Ricochet caught him. And then Logan Paul countered that into a Tornado DDT for a two count. I thought that was tremendous as well. Ricochet eventually regained control going for a shooting star. And then Logan Paul brought the knees up for a two count. You had a a springboard frog splash from Logan as well later on that ended up getting a two count. And as we close this matchup, Ricochet ended up regaining control going for a 630. Missed. I could not tell who handed Logan Paul those brass knucks at the very end of this match. It was one of his cronies. Yeah, I I missed that also. I don't think that was really important to the match. So they handed Logan the brass knucks. He knocked Ricochet out. One, two, three. My my notes on Sam Irvin as well in this match is that she was dressed like Logan Paul. (laughs) The same black and yellow or the same yellow colors. Hmm. She announced Logan Paul the winner as she normally would. So kudos for doing her job. Yeah. Got need that paycheck. And Michael Cole with 
one of my favorite lines of the night because of the truth that a lot of folks will definitely tell you. That was a great matchup, but the ending sucked. <laughs> I said, it sounds like 70% of the WWE's matches since 2003. Yeah. I, I really, I wasn't bothered by the ending. I, I like the brass knuckle spot. Get that heel heat. Completely agree. So Logan did get a much needed win. Mm-hmm. Great opener for, for this card in what we will give you as our match of the night for WWE SummerSlam. I'm going to take you real back, real quick back to the open before we probably speed through the rest of this card. Yeah. Kid Rock opened the show with a real oh, quick montage. I actually vomit. get him off my screen. Why am I still seeing Kid Rock on, on my television in 2023? Fuck that, dude. Go shoot some more Bud Light cans, you weirdo. Because the WWE loves its nostalgia. Ugh. And the one thing that I did feel that this was this was my comment when they went back to the original SummerSlam at Madison Square Garden. Then they went back to Pittsburgh of 1995 and 2013. I said, I already want to go back to any one of those three SummerSlams. Yep. Sean Razor from, from 95, which was probably the only highlight of that of that entire show maybe one two three kid hakushi so those two matches but we all forgot the diesel mabel main event trying to forget anyways exactly the 88 SummerSlam, the original and and then 2013 which we mentioned in the last top rope nation with cm punk brock lesnar as well as daniel bryan john cena so hey at least they they made those references on this show well we go now into did you like the quick little like 90 second montage for the slim jim battle royal i'm pretty sure i watched a peacock commercial during that because i am too cheap to pay for the premium non-commercial version of of peacock of the cock i i refuse to pay extra for cock <laughs> I would most certainly hope so, Justin. <laughs> so no, I, I, I either was watching a commercial or I missed it for whatever reason. I heard it was decent though. It was very fast. So kind of like our intro, Howard Finkel made mm. an appearance saying, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the battle Royal. I like it. Then they had Randy Savage. Up. Make his way on, onto our screen with a little snap into a Slim Jim. So they had had that commercial as well. Started paying some homages to some of the Battle Royals past. It was quick. About a little over a minute. Then you had LA Knight and the video montage. So I will readily admit that my cock, peacock that is, <laughs> cut out at some point in time oh. here. So I missed probably half of, of the Battle Royal. Oh, I wouldn't say you missed much. I mean, I did miss Omos getting tossed out by seven or eight guys in that usual trope of the WWE. I'll tell you what was weird before the match even started is, you know, a lot of the entrance is done off camera, except unsurprisingly, LA Knight. So you can get the big pop. But he was followed up with Omos. It's like, really? I mean, we still believe in this guy as a threat to anything? Uh, so I thought that was a little weird that they just didn't have L.A. Knight be the, the main attraction of the entrances. And in a weird six degrees of separation, A.J. Styles' entrance was right in the middle of those. Mm, yeah. C- connected with Omos. So my notes on this are very, very brief. 
We ended up with your last two men in the match. I guess I'll go through a handful of the men that were in this as well. Chad Gable, who did have some pretty solid German suplex spots in there. His tag team partner, Otis Shinsuke Nakamura, amongst others. Matt Riddle, uh, one of Justin's former famous sweaters. <laughs> and we ended up closing this here with LA Knight and Sheamus getting a few minutes of time here. LA Knight climbs the top rope. This is a spot that him and Sheamus missed the night before on SmackDown. Did you get a chance to see that uh, on any social media clips? Nope, missed it. So as LA Knight went, he went for that exact same jump, kind of Kurt Angle-esque. They both ended up hitting the ground on SmackDown the, the night before. So LA Knight wanted to resurrect what had gone wrong. Ended up hitting hitting that German. Ended up about another 40, 45 seconds little scuzzle butt there la knight finally tosses sheamus over the top rope and we he finally gets the win here i mean we talked about this on the show thursday and how winning a what's going to end up being a meaningless battle royal isn't necessarily going to be the catapult to start the la knight push yeah my one big takeaway that is kind of connected to our who can be the next uh, you know guy in wwe who's the next big up-and-comer is the last three individuals of this match, a combined age of 131 years old. Wow. Yeah. See, now this is where my peacock cut out. So I got to LA Knight and Sheamus. Who was the third man? AJ. There we go. Yep. Oh, push your younger folks. Yeah. Huge, huge problem. So... Yep, LA Knight gets the win. We will definitely see where that ends up going. And Michael Cole with a bizarre reference. LA Knight's moves win him the bout at SummerSlam, which I said, Michael Cole, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Crowd super happy. My final note was, will they actually push him? Yep, that's the question. They, they supposedly they have a plan. They better get to it. He's no spring chicken. Early forties folks. So yep. Eli Drake, NWA and impact prowess. Quick little commercial. Then we get into Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey in the MMA style rules match. I will give a quick 15 seconds before I go to you, Justin. Here's why I didn't mind this match. It's because I actually, I appreciate MMA rules or just MMA. I thought they did an okay job. It was passable. Here's the problem is, number one, it's really hard for, I think, a live audience to get into shoot fights. So they they try to do kind of the GCW blood sports style, which is something I can appreciate. Number two, unless you really like MMA, it doesn't come across well whatsoever. So go ahead and go into your notes here on this one. I actually don't have any because I was uh, helping with bedtime with the boys. So I did not see this. I I was just basing my opinion of it on what I've been reading online, which is that it was a bit of a stinker and the crowd didn't really seem to care about either one of these ladies. None whatsoever. This was definitely the bathroom break match of it. So I don't need to roll through too much of this, but again, I, I did appreciate a lot of, a lot of the arm bars, the chokes that were thrown in here. They even got to the outside on it. So I wasn't fully engaged in this yet. This, this is a passable match. I will definitely say it was the worst on the card. So this is a great way to write 
Ronda Rousey off of television, whether that's going to be for a very short time or the foreseeable future. So I'll just go into the, the close before we get into it. Ended up trading arm bars where Rousey reversed an arm bar. Shayna eventually reversed that into an ankle lock. Ronda escapes. She ends up throwing the Carafuda clutch on. Shayna had a pretty sweet reversal here, reversed it again into her own Kirifuda clutch and put Ronda to sleep. Again, it was an interesting match to me, but the crowd did not grasp the concept. It did not translate well on television. So again, this is something that's super tough, I, I think, to have in front of a super large audience. You got to save these for smaller shows or different crowds that would appreciate the style. Now we will move forward. Gunther, Drew McIntyre. Honky Tonk Man's record is 32 days away from being broken. It is still safe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Gunther retains some very stiff chops in this one. I, for some, Drew's were coming off a little bit louder on TV than Gunther's were. Did you Did you enjoy this match as much as I did? Yeah. Um, I did. It felt like it ended when they were really finally starting to pick things up a little bit. I was kind of hoping they'd get a little bit more time. Um, not as good as I was hoping it would be. I was convinced that this was going to be pretty easily the match of the night, but I, I would say it's uh, was not near as good as the triple threat at WrestleMania or really any of uh, Gunther and Sheamus's previous matches. We, we agree. So this is why I'm very glad that you talked me into Logan Paul and Ricochet, because before this, I had this match on par with that one. But again, I think right before the action got going, that was when that was when the, the ending happened. So I'll just go into, again, the close of this. Drew hit a Claymore after... He, after just a, a slingshot in, into the ropes, Drew comes off with a claymore for the two count. The crowd was definitely involved, very invested into this match. They both end up climbing the top ropes. Gunther just exchanging chops here. Gunther eventually gets the best of it, crotches Drew on the ropes, ends up hitting a splash, picks him up for a picks him up, short arm clothesline, goes into a power bomb four. The three count. I said a, another solid match. I'd give it B, B plus here in this range. Is about where you were on this. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. It, it's pretty close to being probably my second match of the night. Um, and most importantly, we're about 30 days away yes. from Honky Tonk Man going down. Go back to that last show, September 7th, 2023. You almost sounded like Rain Man on that one, Justin, when we were talking about... Uh, Gunther breaking Honky Tonk Man's record. The passion is there, folks. <laughs> I need it to happen. <laughs> All right. Well, it looks like we only have... Oh, we have two more matches to talk about, so we can make this quick, I think. Yeah. Seth Rollins, Finn Balor from, I guess, a, a rematch from Money in the Bank, as well as Seth coming out to... Hit, wearing the vest from his match in 2016, to which I, re, I checked my notes, he lost to Finn Balor in that. Hmm. You know, that's funny because like I thought it was pretty cool that he did, did that until I saw your tweet and I was like, oh yeah, that's weird. Why are you bragging about a match that you lost? Because you sh actually shoot injured the opponent. 
Yeah. And you're going to, yeah. And you're going to play that off in, into the story here, which Finn Balor had the word seven or what some people said online, Suin. That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> corner. <laughs> Maybe that's an Irish V. I really have no clue. <laughs> I will definitely say props to Finn Balor's Nikes on in this match. I mm. thought those were pretty cool color. White with that sweet shade of purple. Yeah. I actually enjoyed this match as well quite a bit. This was one of the better Seth Rollins Finn Balor matches where they did have a lot of callbacks in, the, in this one with Finn Balor working on Seth's arm, which was something that was very similar to what Seth did in their match back in 2016. You had barricade bombs on the outside from Finn. You had Seth eventually getting into the ring, doing the exact same thing. Now, if I were Finn, I'd be a little bit nervous about going for those buckle bomb shots again when you were injured by it a few years ago. Yeah. Crowd was kind of at a somewhat feverish pitch when Damian Priest made his way to ringside to get involved. You had Dirty Dom and Rio Ripley getting involved here as well, trying to distract the referee. Did, did you like that touch to it with all four members of Judgment Day? Or would you just prefer Damian Priest or just let him go one-on-one? Honestly, that was I, – I was kind of bored by this match for the first half of it. And when Priest came out, that's when I started getting a little bit more interested. I thought the last 10 minutes of this match was really good, and I have – no problems, especially since they weren't on the card that all the members of Judgment Day came out. Because it looks like that's going to be the story going forward as to um, this miscommunication between uh, Damien and Finn. I'm wondering if Edge is starting to rub off on Finn Balor to where matches are a little overdrawn, but then the last five to ten minutes they kind of come to life. Yeah, I mean, I did. I didn't really care for their match at Money in the Bank. No. that's the thing with this match for me is it's it's about how the mighty have fallen. Seven years ago, these were probably my two favorite wrestlers, and now I could really care less uh, about either one of them. I find Seth's character to be obnoxious. Uh, I don't understand how he's a babyface, other than that the crowd loves to sing his song, and Finn is especially after this match. Finn is firmly entrenched as a mid Carter to me. Uh, I just, I don't see him as a main event player anymore. 100%. And they're again, they're fighting over the fourth world championship, yeah. which could now be the second after apparently the two belts made the disappearance. Yeah. So real quick, the close was Damian priest throwing the briefcase in the middle and as Finn Balor reaches for it, Steph, Seth ends up hitting a stomp onto the briefcase, connecting with Balor's head for the three count and retaining. Um, to clear something up, because I saw some confusion online that people were saying when Finn and Damien were having that back and forth with the briefcase, that Finn was refusing to use it in the match, where my interpretation was that he thought uh, Damien was trying to cash in and that's why he was distracted. It's not that he didn't want to use it. He was just like, why are you trying to cash in on, you know, my match that I'm trying to win right now? That's what I thought the, the story they were trying to tell was, but maybe that'll be more clear on Monday. I think you're, I think you're right on that, Justin. And I got a free ticket to raw on Monday. So I'll be there. Nice. Free dollars and 99 cents. Yes. <laughs> good to have friends in somewhat higher places 
All right, real quick, triple threat women's match, which this one took a long time to get going. It was sloppy until the last few minutes. Justin, was there same thoughts here as well as myself? Uh, yeah. Uh, I was pretty bored through the entire mm-hmm. first half of this match. They did finally draw me in towards the end. Uh, I think the finish should have been the 450 splash onto the uh, yes. uh, figure eight. It's curious to me why they do this, where they put, you know, they do the title change just to imid- immediately do a cash in. I guess it's trying to give somebody their rub back or say, you know, Bianca got her win back on Asuka from her previous loss. That's just a little weird to me, but um, yeah, it, it was good. They, they, they got me back into it towards the end. Uh, Charlotte Flair's a hell of a worker. Um, you know, she, she, Works like her dad, but unfortunately, I think she uh, is booked in politics like Hogan, which is why a lot of people don't like her. So, story of this match was Io Sky as your new world champion. I have some thoughts on that as well. Okay, do share. So, before I get to that, I do want to get to the spot, the big spot in the match when Charlotte dumps Bianca over the ropes. Thankfully, the camera angle didn't catch it, but you heard this loud thud. And Bianca absolutely sold that like a true champ. I legit thought she injured her knee. I didn't. I was looking to see if an X was thrown up because you saw a lot of refs and a lot of officials come out to to her aid at that point in time. So kudos for that one, Bianca. Nice job on that. But yeah, the ending was definitely it. It should have ended with Bianca's four fifty onto Charlotte's. Not natural selection, but her her figure eight attempt on Asuka. So she springboards there, hits hits it, 450 for a two. Eventually, Asuka escapes out of it. As Charlotte locks on the figure eight to Bianca, all of a sudden, Asuka sprays the mist into Charlotte's eyes. Bianca comes up from nowhere, rolls up Asuka for the three count. She is the new WWE Women's Champion. We then hear music. As EO Sky makes her way down with Bailey. Bailey is tossed to the briefcase from EO, who she clubs Charlotte Flair and Asuka with it. They get into the ring. Bailey tries to hit Bianca with it. Eventually, EO grabs the briefcase, hit decks Bianca in the knee, hits her in the head, goes to a ref, cashes in, pulls Bianca into the corner, moonsault, one, two, three. EO Sky is your new WWE Women's Champion. Dakota Kai makes her way out to celebrate as well. She, I believe, tore her knee three months ago. She said she'll be back sometime in early 2024. Do you think the cash-in was correct? Yeah, sure. Um, it spiced it up. I, the only thing I found weird is the how it immediately became a babyface celebration with Dakota Kai coming out there just felt like, Oh, you guys are kind of losing the heat on these bad guys, which is kind of weird to begin with. Cause everybody loves EO sky. I don't know if she can be a long-term heel, which maybe that'll be the story going forward is uh, friction between her and Bailey. I think it is. I was going to scroll here. Okay. So this was actually an interesting take. And if I was more du- invested into the WWE, I could totally buy into all of this. So a former colleague of mine said, of all the women that were involved in this match, you have Charlotte, who wasn't beat. Asuka can claim she shouldn't have had to defend in a three-way. Bianca can claim an injury slash cash-in. Bailey can turn on EO and take credit. 
We now have a fresh champ in EO at the top, and we do have a returning Kyrie Sane as well. He says, here's hoping for the best. Could not have been summed up any better. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, there's definitely hope for the SmackDown Women division moving forward. So, uh, Carl was late jo- joining into our show, so make it quick. He gave this show a B plus. Felt the main event went a little bit too long. Delivered what it needed. Should have been done in about less than ten minutes. So it should have been about twenty five, twenty six. We completely agree with you. Your grade mm-hmm. was just a little bit higher than ours was. So that was WWE SummerSlam two thousand and twenty three. All right. We'll probably spend about 10, 15 minutes here in AW Collision before we close. Justin, well, go uh, ahead. I guess I don't think I can really talk about it without ruining it for you. Have, have, do you know what happens? Because you haven't seen the main event. I do know who won. Okay. But do you know what happened after the match? Because if you, if you don't, I don't really want to spoil it for you. All I got to say is that... I thought the match was just okay. Uh, the first three quarters better than the finish. The finish got a little sloppy between Punk and Starks. Uh, Ricky Steamboat still has it. Uh, I think we should maybe strap him up as the next champion. Maybe he should beat MJF <laughs> at all out or all in. And without spoiling too much, he still might be the best selling baby face in all of pro wrestling. Oh my gosh. You need you need to watch that match, my friend. You, you will really dig it. At so least this, the, the the aftermath, I should say. This is where I'm a fan first. I would say of this show more than the third co-host. I've gone back and listened to a couple of shows where I think you came up with the idea that well, with when you went through the Ric Flair and the Randy Savage fantasy drafts, you'd mm-hmm. notice that a lot of those were littered with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat mm-hmm. matches at the top. Like, when do you start giving this guy a fantasy draft and or giving him his kudos for the professional wrestling career that he had? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you feel that if there were either more charisma coming from him or a certain bald red and yellow superstar baby face hadn't been involved in the or the WWF for over four or five years that Ricky, the dragon steamboat could have been marketed as a pretty solid WWF champion. Yeah. I mean, that was the baby face promotion. He's obviously not near as charismatic or more importantly to that time frame as big as Hulk Hogan. So I, I can't really see Vince maybe ever having gone with him except for maybe when you talk about the early 90s, maybe he could have popped into that Bret Hart spot if he hadn't have gone back to WCW. I'm glad that's not how it turned out, but if you're talking about when could have Ricky Steamboat been WWE champion, WWF champion at that time, that would have been the time frame, I think. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe lacking a little bit on the mic skills, maybe could have... Uh, amped him up a little bit but still an all-time career an all-time baby face and i think you're gonna really dig the the aftermath of that starks and punk match ricky steamboat's best promo was wrestlemania 3 mm, mm-hmm. short concise to the point and that match is timeless. Go back to listen to that on Classics as well. We will be featuring a Ricky Steamboat match on Classics. I'll go through this one more time. Great American Bash 1989. We, we, we will be recording on late Thursday night. Kudos to Ryan Drossi for his perseverance, as I believe he will be making a 
trip home from, I think, is he going to Chicago once again midweek? Yeah, that sounds right. So our fearless leader will be involved here. We'll see how much uh, how much whiskey he's going to need to get through this card here. <laughs> Great American Bash 1989, where you get a Ricky Steamboat versus Lex Luger match. And that's all I'm really going to tap into on that because I don't, I'm assuming you've never seen this match, Justin. I don't believe so. Oh my. Okay. I won't say anything else. Uh, real quick. Aaron, thank you so much for your support today. Is there anything you wanted me to talk about with AEW Collision before we close, or are you going to go back and watch it yourself? Uh, I will probably go back and watch it, but if there's something you'd like to get off your chest or talk about or something you found interesting or intriguing, I mean, please share. I'm only going to go over one thing and one thing only. So FTR retained their tag team championships against Brian Cage and Big Bill. You had Brian Cage coming out looking like a... Shout out to the Blade Runners from the UWF days. Mm. Sting and the Ultimate Warrior. He paid the tribute with the face paint as well as you could see it on his tights. But FTR retained in a very solid affair. I actually wouldn't mind if this Brian Cage Big Bill team stayed. Agree. Yeah. I think now it's a matter of breaking Brian Cage away from the embassy and getting him off the paywall that is Ring of Honor and back into AEW. But yeah. FTR retains. They grabbed the mic afterwards and said, for over 10 years, we have been, we have wanted to stake claim as one of the greatest tag teams of all time. We have won championships all around the world, the United States, Mexico, Japan, you name it. We are 10 time world champions. We've defeat, we've had a phenomenal trilogy with the Briscoes. We just had the greatest tag team match of 2023. There's only one thing left for us to do. They called out the Young Bucks for all in three weeks. I think that's a good move. Um, it's, it is going to be the third in their trilogy. They're, the second one really kind of flew under the radar. It seems like it was just a dynamite match that happened with uh, very little build or fanfare. Uh, still a good match. I don't think it was probably as good as the the, the pay-per-view one they had previously, but... Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure this will be a great match, and I'm a little worried that the Young Bucks are probably going to come out winners on this as new tag champs. I think the one thing that this could do moving forward, especially with FTR locked in for so long, is now we just move it to a best of five. Yeah, yeah, that, that works for me. Did you see the match that was announced for next week's collision? I'm pretty sure it's next week's collision. Next week's collision. I don't know if I have. Oh, this is very intriguing. There is okay. going to be a trios title match. House of Black versus CMFTR. I did see that. Okay. Yes. That's Ooh. very interesting. It. There are so many wavelengths and avenues that that could go down for sure. Especially mm-hmm. with FTR calling out the Young Bucks. Yeah. And now the Young Bucks stating claim online as well that they are going to move back to the tag team division. There won't be any trios for them for a while. So, of course, where do they naturally want to start? They're going to start off with a tag match against the Hardy Boys. Hmm. Yeah. I know. They got to get their win back from double or nothing. Yep. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, got to start somewhere on that one. 
Kudos to Ian Riccoboni, by the way. As soon as the FTR promo ended, he said, I was there when the Young Bucks called out FTR seven years ago in Ring of Honor. So paying homage to that bit of history there. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to the third installment of All In. I think that's going to be going to be one of the show stealers along with the main event we're going to see because there was one other match announced for that card i'm not going to dive into that as here and spoil your viewing experience yeah we can, see? we'll dig into it in future episodes that we will most certainly do so real quick i'm going to go over our schedule so once again we are recording thursday night classics great american bash 1989 i believe that we will be doing the 15 minute teaser on our Google, Apple, and Spotify platforms, as well as Podbean. So that will be that will be in place of our regular Thursday show. We will be back live on the, I believe it's the 17th of August, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it will be Thursday, the 17th of August. Happy birthday, Kyle Ross, on that day. Oh, Yeah. Then we're going to get into another show, the 24th. Going to do an all-in post-show, Sunday the 27th. I am 50-50 and be able to make that, but we'll talk about that off-air. Previewing Payback and All Out the Thursday beforehand. And then, of course, we will give our reviews for All Out for sure, whether that's going to be in person on Monday in Chicago or not has yet to be determined. Any other closing thoughts, Justin? Nope. Uh, in... Entertaining, but uh, ultimately forgettable SummerSlam 2023. Great way to pass four hours of time on a Saturday night. I suppose if you want to call it that, that's for sure. <laughs> so WWE, get your act together. So once again, real quick, sign up for the Facebook group if you have not already a seven-day trial on Patreon.com as well. So you can do that, Patreon.com. Best way to, to support the show is Top Rope Nation. You can subscribe to the channel while you are here. Please give likes as well on this YouTube video. We're broadcasting right now on SE Scoops as well as Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. And that is all I have show. And... For Justin Joy, this is Jesse Velasquez. That has been episode 304 of Top Rope Nation. Have a wonderful remainder of the weekend, and we will see you very, very soon with Ryan in tow. Take care, everyone. Peace.